0: From the State Capitol, WFSU Public Media brings you Capital Report. Recovery is a long way off for places like Perry that were hard hit by Adelia, but residents remain hopeful they can get through it together.
1: We work together. We, we family here. We know everybody by name. We kiss the kids. We hug. We check on everybody. That's how we do it around here.
0: Also this week. For some parts of North Florida, Adelia was a case of a dodged bullet. A couple more inches and we'd have had to worry about getting repairs done and all
2: that kind of good stuff. So
0: we are really, really blessed. We'll also tell you the tale of a very important tree that took a hurricane hit and will commemorate a landmark occasion in the civil rights struggle that took place 60 years ago this week. I'm Tom Flanagan, online and on air. This is Capital Report and the end-of-week wrap-up of top stories from Tallahassee. The city of Perry, Florida, was hit hard by Hurricane Adelia. The storm knocked out power, damaged homes, and smashed buildings. By Wednesday evening, after the winds and rains had cleared, community members realized recovery would be just as hard. But Regan McCarthy reports as neighbors gathered in the rural Big Bend town, the overall spirit was one of hope and togetherness.
3: In some parts of Perry, the sound of chainsaws is almost enough to drown out the usual singing of cicadas and tree frogs. Families, neighbors, and out-of-towners are coming together to clear roadways and a path to recovery.
4: It took a tough hit, a very tough hit.
3: Denise Mingo says the aftermath of the storm looks bad, but she prefers to view things
4: in a more positive light. The cup being half full, you know, or about empty, so it's it's all in their perception of what life is the how they're going to handle their situation. But, I mean, as far as the community, if we could come together as a whole, we could do it.
3: And in a gas station parking lot where a plume of smoke carries the smell of barbecue, that's exactly what's happening.
4: That's good. That's, that's oh, yeah.
3: Highway 19 Gas & Grill is one of the only open stores. The powers out and rather than waste the food that might spoil, workers are in the parking lot cooking up a free feast for the community. Others have brought by bags of charcoal or helped clear the parking lot of debris.
1: We work together. we we family here. We know everybody by name. We kiss the kids. We hug. We check on everybody. That's how we do it around here.
3: Mary Gramlin is helping to dish up to-go boxes for a growing line. She says in the 50 years she's lived in Perry, she's never seen a storm so devastating. Gremlin's co-worker, Shonda Palmer, says her house was damaged by the storm. Part of the roof lifted up, and one of the rooms flooded from the incoming rain. She doesn't have homeowner's insurance.
5: Most of this community don't. Unless they're paying a mortgage or a payment, we can't, I mean, you can't really afford that here. So, you know, it's just too hard. I mean, you, you barely make your bills.
3: In rural communities like this, it's not unusual for houses to be passed down through generations, meaning they're often owned outright. And since homeowners insurance is so expensive in Florida, people often choose not to carry it when it's not required. That can make recovery an even longer and more difficult process. One Palmer says she's not sure it can be done. But for her, standing behind a grill, feeding her community, feels like a good place to start. I'm Regan McCarthy in Perry, Florida.
0: Recovery efforts are underway for areas across Central and North Florida. In Wakulla County, crews have been working to restore power and clear roadways. The county welcomes students back to school on Friday, and Adrian Andrews tells us Wakulla is still feeling the effect of Adelia's Wednesday landfall.
6: The Wakulla County Sheriff's Office says thousands were without power on Wednesday. But aside from downed trees and power lines, no one suffered any catastrophic loss. Much of the damage was found in the low-lying areas along the eastern parts of the county. We got the
2: best part of the side of the storm that you could possibly get.
6: Stanley West is the owner of Riverside Cafe in St. Mark's. He says his restaurant held up well during the storm, but all the rain caused the water level to rise, and St. Mark's River flooded his bar Thursday morning.
2: For us, we only got six inches in the restaurant, but we are probably the highest point pretty much in St. Mark's. Out in our parking lot, there was a foot and a half of water, so um, we were very grateful. We didn't get anything wet kitchen-wise and equipment-wise, a couple more inches, and we'd have had to worry about getting repairs done and all that kind of good stuff.
6: Luckily, Wes was able to clean up all the excess water. He says the restaurant will be back open this weekend. As for the rest of the coastal county, things seem to be returning to normal. A once vacant bridge along U.S. Highway 98 is now being used by travelers. Also, the Gulf's waters have calmed down near St. Mark's. Resident Buddy Gaskins says it's like nothing ever happened.
7: I think we lost one tree, a decayed tree, that was about it as far as that goes. Just a lot of branches out in the yard.
6: Like many others, Gaskins was told by the county to evacuate his home. But he decided to stay put throughout the storm.
7: Are y'all going to leave? Some of them, about half of us did, half of us didn't. Just kind of inconvenient to leave, you know.
6: In a recent Facebook post, Wakulla County commissioners assured residents that all county roads are now clear and free of any trees or power lines. While we do not know how soon the county will regain full power, all traffic lights will continue to run off generators in the meantime. I'm Adrian Andrews.
0: Water Beach and its businesses were not immune to the massive storm surge Hurricane Adelia brought to Florida's west coast. As WUSF's Nancy Guan reports, merchants dependent on tourists hope to make the most of what is usually a busy Labor Day weekend.
1: At the Clearwater Beach Marina, Mark Tilly is unraveling the rope used to moor his 52-foot schooner to the dock. His sailing tour usually takes people out into the Gulf of Mexico, where Hurricane Adalia blew past just the day before.
0: We left a lot of slack in the lines, and the boats came up really high.
1: Storm surge and a king tide flooded the marina's parking lot, drenching Tilly's ticketing hut.
0: And it was about two feet higher than this, maybe three feet higher than what you see right now.
1: Business has been slow this summer, which Tilly attributes to inflation. He says he hopes Labor Day weekend will be one last boost before the season ends. Amber Love runs Captain Memo's pirate cruise in a slip close by. She's hoping she'll be busy too.
6: We've been about 25% down um, with the business, um, but we're working to get that back.
1: Some businesses saw out-of-town guests cancel reservations because of the storm. So Love says she's relying on locals instead.
6: It's a big weekend, so um,
1: we hope that families will be, you know, inclined to come back and help us get going again. Tilly adds there's one more thing to worry about.
0: I hope it doesn't rain.
5: Yeah.
1: The forecast is calling for mostly clear skies with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. I'm Nancy Guan in Tampa.
0: Calling it heartbreaking, Governor Ron DeSantis on Thursday of this week towards some of the damage left by Hurricane Idalia in Taylor, Dixie, and Levy counties. I think when
8: people lose um, a church, when they lose their home, when they lose a business, uh, you know, you could see, I mean, this was really the, the, the day after the impact. Uh, a lot of these folks in, like, Horseshoe Beach, they came this morning uh, to see. And so it was all very raw when you have your whole life's work into say like a business it ends up under five feet of water.
0: The White House has approved a federal disaster declaration to assist residents in seven Big Bend counties including Taylor where Adelia made landfalls a category three storm. DeSantis said he's also requesting additional aid for the area's fishing industry.
8: We're going to come back and we're going to get everybody back and that's going to happen so I know it's not easy now I know it's gonna be a lot of work, uh, but we will get everyone back on their feet.
0: The state has reported its first confirmed death related to the storm. It involved a traffic accident in the Gainesville area. Coming up on Capitol Report, when hurricanes strike, the filing of a property insurance claim often follows shortly thereafter. We always recommend
2: starting the claim process after a significant, property loss
0: as quickly
2: as possible.
0: Of course, we still don't know if a very historic tree in Tallahassee had insurance coverage. It fell when Hurricane Adelia came calling
7: this week. Not every tree fell. Well, the ones that fell probably had some problem with them.
0: And how might Governor DeSantis's response to this week's hurricane impact his political aspirations? Governors here have been tested many, many times on, on this issue. So, it can really make or break you, especially as it relates to statewide races. In Florida, there's a very direct connection between hurricanes and property insurance. Given the uncertainty of the state's insurance market, WMFE's Talia Blake sought some answers from Mark Friedlander with the Insurance Information Institute.
2: While there's been a lot of volatility in Florida's property insurance market for several years, the insurance industry is in a good capital position to pay claims from the incoming storm.
4: So some of the issues that we saw that arose during Hurricane, say, Ian and Nicole, we might not see a lot of those issues with this storm or any storms uh, following Idalia, is what you're saying?
2: Yeah. The biggest issue we saw with Hurricane Ian last year was there was one major insurer in Florida that did not have adequate levels of reinsurance protection. That's UPC insurance. And as we saw a few months later, UPC was declared insolvent, leaving more than 20,000 of its policyholders with unpaid claims from IAN that are now being handled by the Florida Insurance Guarantee Association. This year, the big difference is all Florida residential insurers have had their Ratings reaffirmed through various rating agencies, and they all have adequate levels of reinsurance coverage so that they have backstops in place in case they have to pay a high volume of property loss claims from the storm.
4: Mm -hmm. Speaking of the storm and speaking of, you know, if they have a loss, how will the recent changes to Florida's insurance market impact residents if they need to file a claim after dahlia?
2: biggest change that will impact consumers is now you will have just one year to file a loss claim from a hurricane. In the past, it was three years, then it was changed to two years. And now with the latest legislation, it's down to one year. And of course, we always recommend starting the claim process after a significant property loss as quickly as possible to make sure you get all the documentation in place. Begin the process of having an insurance adjuster look at your damage and try to get back on your feet as quickly as possible.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, you know, making that claim—the first thing that you do after you know major loss—I'm wondering, is there anything that people should be doing today to make sure that they're prepared, that their things are in order? Any certain documents that they should be looking for?
2: Two points. One is make sure you have copies of your insurance policies and also the contact information for your insurance company or your agent. And then it's also important, take a look at your policy so you clearly understand what's covered because various insurance policies come into play for hurricane damage. The other important point is make sure you have a home inventory. That's not only a list of all your possessions, but photos of your possessions as well. Take photos of all of the rooms in your home, the condition of your home meaning the exterior, try to get the roof into the photo so that you could prove what the condition was of your home before the storm struck versus after the storm if you suffer damage.
4: Oh, that's a really good tip. I've never heard about the taking pictures of your things before a storm. That's a good tip.
2: Our most important piece of advice is be prepared, be safe, need evacuation orders. We learned last year, devastation in Southwest Florida. We saw many fatalities of people drowning from storm surge. It's always best to play it safe. You have insurance coverage for financial protection. It will cover your homes. It will cover your possessions. Those could be replaced. Your lives cannot be replaced. So please be very careful.
0: That was Mark Friedlander with the Insurance Information Institute speaking with WMFE's Talia Blake. Certainly some other things happening in Florida besides hurricanes this week. Supporters of a proposed constitutional amendment aimed at ensuring abortion rights appear to have enough valid petition signatures to trigger a crucial Florida Supreme Court review. The State Division of Elections website today listed just under 298,000 valid petition signatures for the initiative. That's above the nearly 223,000 signatures needed to lead to a Supreme Court review of the proposed ballot wording. Information on the website also indicated the political committee Floridian's Protection Freedom had met a requirement that involves submitting certain amounts of valid petition signatures in at least half of the state's congressional districts. After receiving notification from Secretary of State Cord Byrd that the thresholds have been met, Attorney General Ashley Moody would ask the Supreme Court for an opinion on the proposed ballot wording. A federal judge has scheduled a September 15th hearing in a request for a preliminary injunction in a fight about access in school libraries to the children's book, And Tango Makes Three. U.S. District Judge Brian Davis will hear arguments in Jacksonville on the injunction request in the lawsuit filed by authors Peter Parnell and Justin Richardson and a third-grade Escambia County student against the Escambia and Lake County School Districts along with the State Board of Education. The lawsuit alleges First Amendment violations in removing or restricting access to the book in school libraries. In part, it seeks an injunction to require restoring the book to Escambia School library shelves. And the U.S. Supreme Court is scheduled September 26th to talk about whether it will hear a First Amendment challenge to a 2021 Florida law that placed restrictions on major social media companies. A court docket on Wednesday this week said the case will be considered during a conference, that's a closed-door meeting, that includes making decisions about which cases to hear. The day Hurricane Adelia hit Tallahassee, Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis posted a photo of a split tree on the grounds of the governor's mansion to her social media. As Margie Menzel reports, arborists and historians are taking an interest in the fate of that live oak.
5: People in Leon County tend to be proud of their trees and the canopy roads they provide. Stan Rosenthal, who was Leon County's forester for 30 years, played a key role in creating that pride. He says when a hurricane is Category 1, he and his wife stay put. When it gets to Category 2, they leave.
7: Pine trees will start to break the root system or snap off at Category 1s, even if they're healthy and structurally sound. Older and water oaks and laurel oaks start breaking apart. You start to get into category three in live oaks, really sturdy trees like this one that don't have that structural problem. The branches and good sized branches and stuff start to break off.
5: Rosenthal says trees can fail for a number of reasons. One is poor health. Another is strong storms like Edelia.
7: Not every tree fell. Well, the ones that fell probably had some problem with them. And so health can be one of those. Uh, Like it's a tree that had a rotten root system. Well, you know, it stood pretty well, but when a strong wind hits it, it just, it's too much for it. Trees could just, you know, flat out die. And of course, then as they decay, you know, they're more uh, risky.
5: Like all living things, trees die, not always of natural causes.
7: Things we do to trees, like, you know, when we have developments and and we, or, or we do construction work around a tree and we cut the root system, You know, the University of Florida did a bunch of research on hurricanes and trees, and we know that trees in older subdivisions did better than newer subdivisions because they didn't have as much root damage.
5: First Lady Casey DeSantis estimated the fallen tree's age at roughly 100 years. Historian Jonathan Lammers has been studying aerial photos of the governor's mansion to search for the tree in years past.
9: And there's no tree there in 1941. At that time, there was the previous governor's mansion, which was torn down and rebuilt in 1956. And based on an aerial photo from the mid-60s, it looks like the tree that, felt that, that fell down was most likely planted when the new governor's mansion was, was built in the 1950s. And so we're looking at a tree that's probably around 70 years old or so.
5: Lammer says it takes 70 to 100 years for live oaks to get to adulthood.
9: And once they get up to that size, you're also looking at the fact that they are little islands, biological islands unto themselves. There are communities of insects and birds and other animals that use these trees. They really are little arcs of life. And we would do better to think about our urban tree canopy in that way.
5: Regardless of its age, the live oak at the governor's mansion had become synonymous with the house at the time of its demise. On Thursday, WFSU went to the governor's mansion to view the tree, but wasn't allowed on the grounds. Officers said the remains of the tree had already been removed. I'm Margie Menzel.
0: Heading into an extended weekend for Labor Day. And Labor Day, of course, marks the unofficial end to the summer travel season. In Florida, following Hurricane Adelia's impact, it's still expected to be a record travel weekend for the holiday. According to the AAA Auto Club, domestic travel bookings are up 4% for the weekend from last year, while international bookings are up by 44%. For those driving, gas prices are $3.69 for a gallon of regular unleaded, and that's up 11 cents per gallon from last year. AAA spokesman Mark Jenkins says drivers should plan ahead as the roads will be busy all weekend long. Orlando is one of the top five domestic travel destinations this weekend, while cruise bookings out of Florida ports are up 19% in comparison to a year ago. You're listening to Capital Report from WFSU Public Media. I'm Tom Flanagan. Finally this week, a racially motivated shooting in Jacksonville and a major hurricane have challenged Florida this week, as we've been reporting. As Lynn Hatter tells us, the state's governor is running for president and was put to the ultimate national test as he faced two crises. That, as political scientists and watchers say, have the potential to make or break candidates.
10: When a racist gunman killed three people at a Jacksonville Dollar General store Saturday, Governor Ron DeSantis showed up and got booed. There have been a number of racist incidents in Jacksonville over the past year, including Confederate flags flying over the city and anti-Semitic and Nazi imagery being projected onto the sides of buildings.
8: I would say the only reason things have ramped up is because of the spotlight put on our governor who's running for president.
10: David Jamison is a history professor at Edward Waters University and a member of the Jacksonville Historical Society. He spoke following a vigil for the victims at a Jacksonville church. A lot of the policies have more national uh,
8: get more national attention than than otherwise, but I think on the ground, the people of Jacksonville are not generally are not buying into it.
10: DeSantis has made a so-called war on woke a political hallmark. Some see those efforts as attempts to whitewash history, while supporters view it as correcting political correctness gone too far. Still, the fact DeSantis showed up in Jacksonville to support shooting victims and a grieving community did not go unnoticed, and he was defended by a Democratic Jacksonville councilwoman, Jacoby Pittman. Okay, listen, y'all. Let me, let me tell you, we finna put parties aside, because it
6: ain't, ain't about parties today. A bullet don't know a party, so don't get me started.
10: Days later, the governor, who's in the middle of a presidential run, got pulled away from the campaign trail yet again, this time by a hurricane.
8: Uh, we haven't had a storm take this path at this level since the 1890s. Uh, to hit this part of Florida. So this is something that, that is a really big deal.
10: DeSantis spoke from the hard-hit community of Perry. He stood in front of an uprooted tree with limbs so large they dwarfed the people in front of them.
8: Uh, well, this part of the state hasn't necessarily seen seen a storm like this in quite some time. So that's just going to present challenges, but I appreciate everybody rallying around, uh, people stepping up, and really appreciate the resiliency that I'm seeing Uh, throughout all these counties, particularly in the Big Bend region of Florida."
10: DeSantis wants President Joe Biden's job. The two have battled over the governor's policies, but they've also worked hand-in-hand as Florida has faced natural disasters. This time is no different. Biden is visiting the area to see the damage. And it's in times of crisis where politicians like DeSantis either pass or fail the test of leadership, says Christian Camera. He's a longtime political analyst and activist in Republican circles.
11: Yeah, I think the crisis presents a, an opportunity for voters to see how a candidate is actually going to operate under pressure. And, um, you know, here in Florida, unfortunately, we're a, a disaster-prone state. So, uh, you know, our, our our governors here have been tested many, many times on, on this issue. And so it can really make or break you, especially as it relates to statewide races.
10: And that shooting in Jacksonville?
11: Look, let's be honest, our politics has gotten so vitriolic that mm-hmm. everything is politicized, including tragedies like this. So he knew uh, or he had to know that there was going to be some some heckling and some, you know, un- unwelcome type uh, uh, responses by some folks in the crowd. But I give him props for putting that aside and saying, no, no, I'm the governor, and um, you know, I-, I need to honor the victims and uh, I need to show up.
12: A true leader understands that. They sometimes have to walk into situations where they know they will not be received well, but the, the crisis demands action.
10: Susan McManus is a political scientist, professor emeritus at the University of South Florida, and a longtime observer of Florida politics. She says what she's seen from DeSantis in the past week is an example of a person who is action-oriented. The governor is sending funding to Edward Waters University and HBCU to shore up security. That's where the shooter was first spotted before being scared off by a security guard. DeSantis has also promised funding for the victims' families. And he was in the state before the hurricane, during it, and has remained after.
12: It's certainly helped him so far in that he's getting a lot of national uh, attention that is of a non-political Uh, nature, the fact that people are seeing him in his role as governor and not as a presidential candidate.
10: McManus believes Republican primary voters are paying attention.
12: But would he rather have had this situation not happen with the crises? Of course he would have rather that. But almost every media outlet that I've been looking at, whether it's television or print media or Radio or social media, he's getting good marks for his handling, uh, particularly the hurricane situation.
10: Never underestimate the power of showing up and showing that you care, says McManus. She gives DeSantis high marks for that. I'm Lynn Hatter.
0: Our regular Capital Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, and Margie Menzel. Thanks also to Nancy Guan and Talia Blake technical support for Capitol Report comes from Evan Rossi and I'm Tom Flanagan. Join us again next week online and on air for more reports from the state capitol. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.